0: chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to talk about what it means to be in Christ. We sang a song, Who You Say That I Am, and we sang, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You're for me, you're not against me. So I ask this question before we even get started, have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt like God was against you? And you, if you have, and there's a good chance you have, it's probably because of your circumstances and what is going on in your life in the moment. And it's, it's so easy to, to, as we say, take our eyes off of Christ and look at the circumstance and get really afraid and really frustrated and our response is not always a good one, because I think a lot of the times we don't understand our position, we don't understand what we have, what we already have. And I try to remind myself of this when I feel sorry for myself, and when I'm, you know, oh, woe is me, my life is not what I wanted it to be, my, I'm not where I wanted to be at this point in my life, and, and I have to remember, but look at what all I've got. And and I used to be really, really poor before I knew Christ. I didn't realize how poor I was. And then when I came to know Christ, when he became my Savior, I became very, very rich. And I was rich then, and I'm rich now, and I've been rich ever since, and I will continue to be rich. I don't mean rich like money in the bank rich, but I'm rich like... Um, Jesus is in the bank, and I can I can make a withdrawal at any time, because of what He has promised and what He has given me. And too much of the time, church, we don't understand that and we don't live in that. Um, I, I was thinking about how years ago I used to watch TV, and they would have these publishers clearinghouse giveaways. And you know it was so exciting to see it come in the mail because immediately you would start dreaming, boy, if I won this. And it was just neat to 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 think about the the prospect of getting that much money and what what you would do with it. But you know they would they would even send you at times I think uh, mail that said you are you are you are in the la- the final round or uh, you may have already won and. You know, you just, it just does something to you. You get a little excited, and, and you think, man, this would be great. And then what was, what was also interesting was to see the commercials of the people who had supposedly won. And they never were as excited as I thought they should have been. You know, there's Ed McMahon or whoever it was. I think it was him. And he was standing at their door, and, and there was a camera team, and they had this big check that had, you know, written out for, I don't know, a million dollars or whatever. And these people were never as excited as they should have been. I would have been turning flips in the front yard. I don't know. But the, you know, it seems like the only response that, that they could muster is, I can't believe it. I just I I just, I can't believe it. And I've, you, know, you hear that so many times when something good happens to somebody. But I think that's because we're conditioned to believe that only ordinary things are going to happen to us. We're conditioned to expect it. You know, just, you know, I'm an ordinary person. I'm going to live an ordinary life. Ordinary things are going to happen to me. And the possibility of something really, really great happening to us just seems so far away and so remote. And it's, you know, why would anything good happen to me? And we, we say things like, I, I, when something good does happen, I can't believe that it happened. But I think even worse, we have this thought that we don't even think it could happen or would happen or might happen. And this happens, of course, in the physical world, but it happens to us in the spiritual world as well. I think many of us have trouble believing in the extravagant, and I'll use that word, extravagant goodness of God towards me personally. I have a hard time understanding or believing the extravagant goodness of of God towards me because I know who I am when nobody else is around. I know the thoughts I have and the things that I've done and, and I just can't imagine God's extravagant goodness towards me. I'm just, you know, why would he lavish his extravagant goodness on me? Why would he do that? It's just hard for me to believe. And again, I think all of us have been conditioned to think that we're just unworthy creatures. Unworthy creatures. And oh, how the humble Christian likes to likes to talk about how low and, and no good and rotten and low down and dirty we are. And I would agree with you, uh, that's certainly our position before Christ. But he, he comes in and changes everything and turns everything around and turns everything upside down and still yet we're holding on to the thoughts of before. I can't just, I can't imagine that something so extravagantly wonderful and good would happen to me or could happen to me I'm not good enough I'm not holy enough I'm not sincere enough I'm not spiritual enough for really good things to happen to me from God but here's the truth for every person in here and out there that is in Christ and knows Jesus as Lord and Savior we all have a rich and extravagant inheritance from Christ we have a rich and extravagant and I will use that word a lot today extravagant inheritance from Jesus Christ and when we find out and when in those moments when we when we when he has opened up the heavens and the blessings are real and and we're we're seeing those and we're reading those and someone's preaching about it or teaching about it and we hear what all we've been given in Christ our response is very much like the person at the front door with the big check. I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. But, but what does the truth do, church? The truth sets us free, absolutely. And one of the main truths of the book of Ephesians is Paul trying to reveal to us the magnitude of God's blessings to us in Christ. It tells us who we are, and it tells us how we can live. And that's an important thing. It was very important to Paul. And it's a very powerful message that sometimes we overlook or don't think we need to spend any time on, but we're going to spend some time there this morning. And, you know, Christ has given to us what he has given to us freely. Uh, There's nothing I can do to earn it, and certainly nothing I can do to deserve it. Those are common Christian phrasings. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But he gave it to me anyway. This low down, dirty, rotten, no good for nothing Christian that I am. And again, I believe part of that is true. Uh, He has given to us freely. I can't work for what he's done for me. And I certainly can't mail in a, a sweepstakes entry and win what he has done for me. What he has done has already been won. It's a completed work. So all that's up for me to do is to accept it and to receive it. And when I do that, I think of, I thought often of the song that Lori sang last week, His Life for Mine. He took my life, the low-down, dirty, rotten life, and he exchanged it and he gave me his life. And that is not an even exchange. Um, If you went to the store... Uh, and tried to do that kind of an exchange they would send you to customer service because they can't handle an exchange like that at the register i may not be making any sense but what i'm saying is it's a big deal and the only one who could handle that type of an exchange is jesus christ his life for mine such a big deal so powerful but all we have to do we don't have to earn it we don't have to work for it we don't have to send any kind of a uh Uh, order form or or an entry form in we just have to be in Christ all you have to do is be in Christ and the first three chapters of Ephesians tries to help us understand how to be in Christ so I want us to figure out today and my prayer today is just like Paul said in in Ephesians chapter one we're not going to turn there but he said that uh, God that God may, may God give you a spirit of wisdom. That's what we're praying this morning. May God give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. And we're coming on Christmas, and Christmas... We Christians love Christmas for a multitude of reasons. Uh, So, and we say that word a lot uh, at Christmas time. Believe, believe, and you know the world has taken it to mean believe in certain other things (laughs) that I'm not going to get into this morning. But we believe that He is Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the Living God. That He was born and laid in a manger born of a virgin, uh, foretold through years of prophecy, foretold by the angels to Joseph and to Mary, um, and that everything that the Bible says happened, we believe it all happened. So here's here's a question I want to ask you before we dive in. Do you really know who you are in Christ? Do you really know who you are in Christ? What does it mean for me and for you to be in Christ? How do you see yourself as a Christian? How do you see yourself as a child of God? Do you see yourself as powerful or do you see yourself as inadequate? Oh, how many times I've heard children of God say they're so inadequate. And it's the voices that we're listening to that lie to us and tell us that lie. Do you understand the true extent of what it means to have the Son of God living inside of you? And truthfully, to have the creator of the universe, the most powerful being that's ever been, living inside of you. That's that's amazing when you sit and think about it. Do you hold your head up high as a Christian, not in arrogant pride, not in arrogant pride, but in praise of who he is and what he's done in you? Or do you feel ashamed and hold your head down low? Or are you sometimes embarrassed? Do you see yourselves in rags or do you see yourselves in riches? You know, this is the question we have to ask ourselves. Talking about the truth again, Jesus said, You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And church, truth is truth whether you believe it or not. It is. Truth is truth. And I, I say this to believers of the truth because we need to hear it too and I say it to those who don't believe the truth truth is truth whether you believe it or not and truth is truth whether you know it or not but we need to know the truth because it sets us free and I think there are times when we can never be free unless we do know the truth that makes sense because we just said the truth sets us free we got to know the truth. What are you talking about? Well, I think that if you don't if you don't know the truth, even as Christians, if we don't know the truth, then we might be acting on a lie. How many times have you believed something like the Bible says, well the Bible says that because somebody told you that it did or maybe a teacher or maybe a pastor or maybe somebody said, well the Bible says this and you believe that's a truth so you're so that So so that lie, that untruth, you're living that out and it has become your reality. And we're living a lie because we haven't known the truth and we haven't understood the truth. And you cannot shortchange yourself, church. And I cannot shortchange myself by believing that I am less than what God says that I am. I cannot be less than... Then God says that I am, because God knows me better than anybody else, and God tells the truth. And as I have seen on t-shirts and bumper stickers many times, God don't make no junk. Amen? I thought I'd get a little giggle out of that. He doesn't. Um, it would be a shame for us to go through life believing that we are paupers, like the song says, when in fact we are children of a king. We're children of the king. That's how we need to be living. And once again, not with arrogant pride, but with humble appreciation and and worship and wonder about what God has done. So let's take a look at our scripture this morning, Ephesians chapter 1. And I can already tell that we may not even make it out of the first point this morning. Uh, But we'll get as far as God wants us to. But I want us to read the first two verses. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to tell you a little bit about the what was going on in Ephesus at the time of of the writing of this, and that is that it was suffering from idolatry, just going crazy, rampant idolatry in Ephesus that was a problem because what people were doing is they were they were getting their security and they were getting their significance from something other than God now think about that significance and security those are good things those are things I want we all want that but they were getting it from something other than God And if you're grabbing your security and you're getting your significance from something or someone other than God, then that is idolatry. Because you're putting something else in the place that God deserves. God deserves that place. And it just so happened that at that time it was little statues that people would worship, idols that people would make and worship and get their security and their significance from these idols. And so the people at Ephesus, they wanted to rebel against Paul because Paul was coming in there and he was preaching Jesus Christ. And you know what happens when you lift up the name of Jesus Christ? It draws men to him. And when you, when you tell people the truth, the truth sets them free. So people were coming to Christ. So what do you think was happening to these idol makers? They were losing money. And they wanted Paul out of there. They didn't like it. And, and that was their business. That was their income. And, you know, for us today, we don't really have idol makers. But we have just as many idols in our lives today. Things that we go to to get our security and our significance from. And so I want you to think back to the garden. You know what I mean by that. The Garden of Eden. And I want you to think about the very first lie that Satan told to Adam and Eve. And that was that you can have, I should say it like we used to do it in the drama, you can have. You can have your significance and you can be somebody if you eat this fruit. You can be significant, you can have security, If you will just eat this fruit, you can be somebody. As a matter of fact, what he said is you can be like God. That was what he said, right? You can be like God. So we know how that story played out. But ever since, ever since then, every single human being, that means all of you and me included, have tried to get our significance from things other than God. And you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we, We get our significance from the way that we look. We get our significance from the jobs that we have. Uh, We get our significance from uh, our relationships and and how much money we have and and how much status we have. And in this day of, of social media, how many followers we have. We have security and significance because of those things. And we get significance, we try to get significance from the things that we do think about when you meet somebody for the first time what's one of the first questions you're going to ask them or they ask you what do you do what do you do (laughs) you know what our response should be to that what does it matter what do you do and I think really what that question is asking is why should I care about you why are you significant why do I like you Um, And and you've probably felt like this. What comes to mind is all these things I've seen through the years about people going back to their class reunions, and some this guy doesn't want to go because um, he doesn't have the greatest job and. Everybody thought he would be more successful than he is and his wife is there and she says, "Well, I think you're great and I think everybody will just be happy to see you." And he goes and and he meets all of his friends and they're successful bankers and uh, lawyers and doctors and and he's like got this little job that he doesn't think is all that important. You know what I'm talking about? He does, it doesn't feel significant. But if he were a banker or a lawyer or a doctor, he would get significance from that title and that's an idol that's what we're talking about and we do it with our with our sports teams too don't we i mean we walk around after our team has won and we're wearing the jersey and what did you have to do with that team winning absolutely nothing you had nothing to do with that but you sure are walking around with your chest out and your head up Because you get significance from the fact that they won the Super Bowl and you got the jersey this year. But then you lose that significance if last year they don't do as well as they did this year. So that's what we do. We try to find our significance from these things. But I love what Paul does at the very beginning of this chapter. Um, He talks about the fact that we're saints. He's talking to the saints now, when we think about a saint, that seems that's a significant title. Uh, all our lives, when we've read about saints and heard about saints uh, or somebody being a saint, that's, that's a good thing. We have positive thoughts about that. Uh, it's a good thing for somebody to call you a saint. Uh, I don't know, a Saint Bernard is the best dog to have. I'm not sure if we'd all agree to that. But he starts off by calling, calling them saints. And, and all, automatically we should see, he didn't, call, he didn't say, to the bankers in Ephesus, uh, to the cowboy fans in Ephesus, uh, to everybody with washboard abs and model good looks at Ephesus. He didn't say that. He said to the saints at Ephesus. Um, even the smartest man in the Bible, the wisest man in the Bible, Understood that significance can't come from anything this world has to offer. This was Solomon. You remember him, the wisest man in the Bible. He asked God for wisdom, he got it. And in Ezekiel chapter, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter two, we're not going to turn there. But Solomon tested being prosperous, he tested being wealthy, he tested accomplishing big things. He tested doing exciting things. And he found that none of these things, none of these things, bring happiness none of them do. And I wonder what we're spending our time doing every day, every week. Are we striving harder and harder to get that position at work? Are we trying the very best that we can to be able to afford that house or that car? Um, Are we trying to keep up with the latest uh, cell phones and the latest tech gadgets? Um, Are we trying to go to all the great happenings so that People will see that we're there, and that they'll think we're important people. You know, you know, are we? You know, even on a more normal level, when we go to PTA or when we go to our kids' schools, um, do we flaunt the fact that our kids are on this team and they're on that team, and they're in the on the A B honor roll, and 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 they don't have uh, behavioral issues, and blah, blah 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 blah, and and you know, we look for significance. And these things and they become idols because significance is, is important to every one of us. But Paul opens this letter and he says, To the saints, and you know what this term is applied to, right? To all believers. This is applied to all believers. So if you're a believer in Star Town First Baptist Church this morning sitting in the purple chairs or standing on the stage, you're a saint. You're a saint. And it's not because of what you do. It's not because of how you look. But it is because of what Jesus Christ has done. It's because of what he has done. The word saint comes from the Greek word hagios. It means holy. So to be a saint is to be a holy one. And that is who you and I are in Christ. We are holy ones. And that's according to God's word. I'm not making it up. I'm not saying it. God's word says that believers are already saints. So that is God's words. That is God's perspective, not mine. I'm not here to give your ego a boost and uh, to look you in the eye and say, everybody loves you. You're such a good person. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to tell you what the word of God says, and the word of God says that you're a saint. Again, not because of who men say that you are, not because I said that you are, not because you're better than other people. You are a saint because that's what God says you are. And you're not holy because of your own good works. You're not holy because of your own righteousness. We are righteous, and here's here it is, we are righteous because Jesus died on the cross so that he could give us his righteousness. Because I can't achieve that on my own, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I'm working on or doing i can't achieve it so he died so that he could give it to me because he loves me he loves me i i remember that song as a kid nobody likes me everybody hates me think i'll eat some worms does anybody remember that song that's a song we should never sing because we are because somebody does love us always has and always will I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 where it says that God made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ. That we might become the righteousness of God. So we are now in the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's an amazing statement. And we we need to... accept that and hear that and believe that and not just push it off as just churchology or 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 religious words and religious phrases that's truth that sets us free and it's amazing statement because christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and he died there to put to death my old self that dirty rotten no good you know we talked about it dirty rotten person I was before I got saved, and not only did he forgive me, not only did he forgive you, but he died to enable me to be able to receive his life. He is my life. I live his life. I live the Christ life because I am in Christ. And there's our victory day after day after day. And it doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter what you're going through or what other people are saying about you or what the bank statement says or what the doctor's records and the test results say. Bottom line, you live his life and you are victorious in Christ in every situation. So what we do is we surrender to him. We surrender to him and he gives his life to us in exchange for ours, and He becomes our life. He is in us, and we are in Him. And that's the best position to be in. And if you're in that position, then you're good to go. And if you're not, then that can change today. That can change today because, because Jesus Christ died for you just as much as He did for anybody else in here, And more than anything else for you, he wants you to know that he loves you. He died for you. He died to pay for your sins. He wants to welcome you into heaven one day because he he loves you. So the truth here that that Paul wanted us to see is that we are significant in Christ. We are significant in Christ. So a good response to who are you? (laughs) I'm a child of the king. I'm in Christ. That's who I am. That's where I am. He is my life. And then they can say, well, what do you do for a living? And then you can say, what does it matter? There you go. But we have our significance in Christ, and we need to realize our righteousness in Christ. And that is only going to come as we begin to see ourselves in Christ. Because most of the time, we're not liking who we are. And we're not liking what we do, and we're not liking what we think and what we feel. And he said there would be hard days, and he said we would go through difficult times. But we need to remember our position. We need to remember who we are, who he says we are, not what anybody else says about us. And as we begin to understand the truth of who we are, um, we'll see what Paul was trying to get us to understand. His big thing here was for us to understand our union with Christ. Because honestly, sometimes as Christians, we feel far removed from Jesus because we have made decisions to walk according to the flesh instead of walking according to the Spirit. See, He has a way for us to work, walk and a way for us to live. And sometimes even as Christians, we buck up against that. Well, I want to do this right now. I want to do this, and I want to feel this, and I want to experience this. It never works out well, does it? Because we're looking for significance in other places instead of looking for significance in Christ. God, right now, more than anything, it feels like what I want to do is this. Or I want to I I see this, or I want to be this, or I want to feel this. Because for some reason, I feel like it's going to satisfy me right now. But I understand that my significance in, is in you, and you satisfy me. So help me to understand that, help me to realize that, and help me to turn from this way of thinking, this way of feeling, and remember who I am in Christ. That was what Paul wanted us to see. Because who else probably had feelings of, of unworthiness than a man who spent the greater part of his life persecuting the very people that he was loving now. Oh, what I did. I killed people. I treated people so bad. I did terrible things and, thought, and said I was doing it for God. And then Jesus came into my life, and He changed me, and He's changed this life, and gave me His life, and everything is different now. So now I am in Christ, and He's changed everything—my outlook, the way I feel, the things that I want. And everything has changed. Paul, Paul—the heart of Paul's message was our union with Christ. There's like 164 times just in Paul's letters alone that we see the words "in Christ." in the lord and in him and he stressed this more than any other doctrine in his letters more than justification more than sanctification more than reconciliation he stressed our relationship and and our position and our union in christ and so that that here in 2021 we see what paul really what was really important to paul Because I believe this is the message that kept Paul going. You know, the devil, Satan, my enemies, and those people who still see me as an enemy of of the faith and of of believers keep throwing back and, and keep making me feel like I'm inadequate and that what I've done in the past can't be forgiven and that, that my reputation precedes me, and so they're afraid of me, and they don't really want to listen to what I have to say. I think he dealt with that a lot. And what Jesus was saying, but my, my son, I have, I have dealt very lovingly towards you and graciously towards you in that I have given you my life, and your life is different now. And we can never forget that. We must never forget that. And what the enemy wants us to do is to forget that so we can live defeated lives and not be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. I have hope because he changed me. And he made me different than what I was. I say this a lot. I'm made of different stuff now than I used to be. You know, medically speaking, if you took my DNA, it wouldn't be any different than it would have been if you checked it when I was 8 years old. But my spiritual DNA is different. I got saved when I was nine. And so I got a heart transplant and that's different. And my spiritual DNA is different. Because I have so many blessings and we're just not even going to get to it today. I really need to wrap things up and I just want to keep going. But unless we know our true position in Christ, we will never learn to live from that position. He is where we get our significance from. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And can't nobody snatch it out and take it away? Nobody. It's a done deal. It's set. It's forever. You're, you're, you're golden, as they say. You're good to go. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. I love that. When Christ, who is our life, He is my life, He is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. So I am hidden with Christ in God, I just love the sound of that. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. That's my position. That's your position. We are saints because of our position in Christ. And we are significant because of our position in Christ. It's not our possessions. It's not the power that we have. It's not our position. We are who we are. Because we have intimacy with God through Jesus Christ. But here's the sad thing. It has been said that some people can't get saved because they can't accept that they're sinners. And we know that to be true. I'm basically a good person. The Bible says you're not. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You lie, you cheat, you steal, just like everybody else or other things. But some people can't get saved because they can't accept the fact that they're sinners. And if you don't know your need, then you're not going to want to hear anything about Jesus because Jesus took care of that need at Calvary. Some, Some people can't get saved because they don't accept that they're sinners. But some Christians can't walk in victory because they won't accept... Their sainthood. You're a child of the king. You are a saint. And we won't get into it today, but you have received so, you have received every blessing that he has to give. Every blessing. You are so blessed. And that's, that's what we need to live from. And that's how we need to live. So, bottom line, in Christ, I am significant. In Christ, I am a saint. And he gives me permission to live like a saint. And that's what the introduction to the book of Ephesians is saying here. And in that one little word, <laughs> that means holy one. He was referencing the people at Ephesus. And in, that, and in those words, he was also referencing you and me. And I was a sinner, But I was saved by grace. And now I'm a saint that sometimes sins. I do sin. You might want to change that. I'm a saint that sins a lot. Whatever whatever works for you. But you are a saint. And he's working on us to help us to make choices where we're letting him work out of us what he's already worked in. Or we're choosing our own way. I want you to stand, if you will. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment.